Hey Mama, today on the podcast I have my beautiful friend Emily McDermott with me and we are talking all things simplifying the home. So Emily is an Air Force wife and mum to two boys living over in Virginia in the US and she started off by having a blog called Simple by Emmy and that is where you can find her on Instagram and of course I'm going to link everything in the show notes because I know you are going to love her as much as I do. But she has really documented her journey to creating a simple and more intentional life. So I wanted to get her on the podcast today to chat with us why do that, how we can do that, and particularly coming up to Christmas, we're going to get into gifts and all of the goodness. So let's get into today's podcast with Emily. You can check the show notes for more on her podcast, Mums Overcoming Overwhelm. But this is such a conversation we both have such a heart to help overwhelm mums with little kids to really focus on what matters so if that is you even if it's not if your kids are older but you want to simplify down then make sure you listen in to today's conversation with Emily McDermott. Hey mama do you want to balance maintaining your home cooking cleaning all the things you have to do as a stay-at-home mum whilst being present with your family? Do you find yourself up late at night scattered thinking about all the things you didn't get done and so need to do tomorrow? Is your greatest desire for your littles to know and love Jesus? Hey, I'm Elise. When I became a mum, I felt overwhelmed and wished that I could just stay on top of everything. I wanted to be there for my family and yet all these things still had to get done. I was worried that I would spend this time too busy and miss it. Until I found the secret, partnering with God even in our home life. In this podcast, you will find tactical tips for homemaking, help for your low-tox journey, as well as biblical parenting so that you will find God's joy and experience His peace in motherhood. Welcome to Wholesome Mama. It's time to go grab your cup of tea, reheat it because you know, and let's get into today's episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Wholesome Mama Show. And today I am joined by Emily, who I've met through podcasting. And we are basically like kindred spirits when it comes to all things decluttering and simplifying our homes. And so I'm so excited, Emily. Thank you so much for being here. Can you, just to get us started, share a bit about you, um, where you're from, what you do, and a bit about your family too? Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Elise. I really appreciate it and excited to talk to you too. So I am a wife, uh, actually a military wife, uh, but we're permanently stationed here in the greater Washington, D.C. area. Been married to my husband now for 14 years. We just had our anniversary and we have two boys that are four and six. And so they keep me extremely busy. Um, I'm a stay-at-home mom and have been ever since my oldest was born. But as you mentioned, we met through podcasting. So I started my podcast, Moms Overcoming Overwhelm in September of this year. And that's going really well so far. And I have been blogging about decluttering and simplifying. I speak to moms groups, have been starting to coach And the other thing I do is I actually write custom poetry for people. So for any kind of special occasion, Valentine's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, if you want a experience gift, right? A non-cluttery gift for somebody, 
then I'm, I'm your girl for that. So that's a little bit about me and what I do. I love that. It's like a little, little secret talent, little hidden. <laughs> I love that. So today we are really, we're just going to have a conversation and see where it takes us around decluttering and the idea of simplifying our home and why it's so important for us mums to do that. So can you share about, as you said, your podcast is Mums Overcoming Overwhelm. And so many mums, when I speak to mums, so many of them use the word overwhelmed as how they feel. So can we, just to start off with, let's get into why why decluttering and why simplifying our home is one of the easiest ways not the easiest, but you know what I mean? Um, one of the best ways to overcome overwhelm. Yeah, definitely. So when I think about overwhelm and the reason that I've kind of focused so much on the overwhelmed mom, which I have been in previous seasons, and sometimes I still am, honestly, <laughs> depending on what's going on, I sort of see overwhelm as kind of falling into these three buckets. And when you look at the definition of overwhelm, one of them is to bury or drown beneath a huge mass. And I always think about laundry, like you're just like buried in all of this laundry, you can't get out. And so that for me is like too much stuff, right? And another definition is to load or inundate someone with an excessive amount of something. And that's more like the to-dos that we have so much on our plate. And yet we feel like we have to keep saying yes to everything. And that of course impacts time with our family, time with our kids, our abilities to really take care of ourselves. So I see that as really too much in the to-dos category. And then of course that feeling of overwhelm, that's very common to moms, just feeling like you're going to bed at night and you can't get to sleep because of everything going on in your head, the mom guilt, all of it. And that is really that overcoming in thought or feeling that's really that um, too much of the like mental clutter and too many thoughts. So I kind of see overwhelm in these three buckets, like the too much stuff, too many to do's and the too many thoughts are like the mental clutter. And so when it comes to decluttering, a lot of times when moms are like, okay, there's all this stuff everywhere. I'm like a 24 hour a day stuff manager and that's like one of the biggest, you know, hats that I have is having to do that. And um, we don't think sometimes, however, about how clutter actually impacts our physical, mental, and emotional health. Um, there's a lot of studies showing that it raises cortisol levels. So it raises our stress levels, causes anxiety. It causes sleep problems when we're in a cluttered home. There's one interesting study where if you're in a a cluttered, untidy kitchen, and you have your choice between um, cookies, carrots, or crackers, I think it was, that the people chose cookies uh, because they were just like stressed out being in this stressful environment. And that in some studies, it's shown that men are actually not as affected as much as women because women are still traditionally the ones that are in charge of most of the home responsibilities and being a stay-at-home mom myself. And I know that you are, um, your audience is mostly, you know, stay-at-home moms, moms, right. Um, <laughs> that it's so important. We realize it's impacting our health 
like the environment that we are surrounding ourselves with. It isn't just, oh, it would be nice to get rid of this or, oh, I'm just surrounded by all of this stuff. It's impacting our stress, our anxiety, our physical health. It impacts our relationships. It impacts everything. So I'm so adamant about making sure that um, moms realize that this is serious. This is like part of your overall over, um, health and well-being. And so we need to make sure that we are really taking it seriously to combat clutter. Yeah, I would completely agree, um, even in my own personal experience. But just that it's like this, it is part of a picture clutter in your home you don't realize and I actually listened to um a few of your podcast episodes this morning because I knew we were having this conversation and I loved the episode where you were sharing I forget what number it was now maybe four or five where you were sharing all those studies um particularly where they did the saliva with the cortisol levels and how mm-hmm. how much higher and like how it was linked to mums who felt feelings of depression and anxiety and how actually your stuff in your home is literally affecting your physical well-being your mental well-being how you relate to your husband how you relate to your kids I yeah I I completely can attest to um, that as well Yeah, I think the other thing people don't realize, and it's something that definitely impacts me, is that clutter is this visual stimulus overwhelm, and it also represents undone tasks. So I feel like when I'm in my home and I look around at everything, it's either something that needs to be put away, isn't in its place, requires some sort of action. Most of the time, it's action that is required by me. And so instead of being able to focus on my kids, to really be present with my kids or to focus on the task at hand, I'm constantly being distracted by everything that's in my visual field. And that's true for kids as well. So I always talk about um, the dump and go, which is where the kids, you know, they take the Legos, they take the blocks, they take the cars. You can tell I have two boys and they just like, they're like, okay, they dump it. And then they're on to the next thing, onto the next thing. And then they complain that they're bored. Well, they get impacted too, by having too much in their visual field to be overwhelmed by clutter too. And that impacts them, especially at their developmental stages where everything's still developing and they can't have that overwhelm. And when they don't know what to do about it, they're just going to dump stuff and cope by being like, I'm bored, mom. (laughs) What's the next thing? So it really does impact um, so much. And I'm a highly sensitive person. I didn't have verbiage around that until recently, just meaning that I'm very impacted by noise, by clutter, by what's in my environment. And so I really realized for myself, it's in my best interest to be the best mom and wife that I can be to make sure I'm not in a cluttered space because otherwise, like you said, it just is impacting all of the relationships that are most important to me. Yeah. And it goes back to, I loved how you defined overwhelm by using those three buckets. And I think they all play into each other because you're, by being overwhelmed with too much stuff, you are then walking around and adding things to your to-do list. So then you are even more overwhelmed by your to-do list. And then yeah, at night you can't go to sleep because your brain can't stop. And 
as mums, our to-do list is already endless. We don't need to be walking around adding things and doing half done tasks. And, you know, we go into the kitchen to get a cup of water and then we see, oh, there's dishes in the sink. Oh, I didn't unpack the dishwasher. I'll start unpacking the dishwasher. And then you start that and then a kid comes in and then you never actually get to that drink of water or the cup of tea, you know, you know, that cup of tea that you want to have hot, but never actually happens. And so I think that clutter in our home, and I'd love to get you to speak into this, but clutter in our home is actually making more decisions for us that we have to make. Can you speak into that, um, kind of the, how that impacts decisions? Yes, definitely. So when you have too much stuff, it means that you have choices to make between the stuff. Let's just use uh, getting dressed in the morning as an example. So if you come into your closet and you have 50 shirts and 40 pairs of pants and 30 pairs of shoes, you have more choices than someone that has 20 shirts, 10 pairs of pants, five pairs of shoes, for example. That's just math, right? And so when you have all of those choices, you have something in psychology called choice overload, which means that up to a certain point, choice is good. You know, in the United States, um, choice is seen as this very positive thing. We want the freedom to choose, right? And so, and I think Western cultures generally want that freedom to choose. But the problem is once you get to a certain number of choices, happiness actually goes down drastically because you're getting overwhelmed by the choices. So because you have to make decisions between the choices and you have this concept called decision fatigue, which is the decreasing quality of decisions that happens over a period of time. There's a lot of different numbers out there, just like the number of how many days it takes to make a habit. There's how many decisions you make in a day, but I've heard 35,000 in a day. And I think that for moms, it's higher because we're making decisions on behalf of our family, um, especially our kids. And so if you think about how you wake up in the morning and you go in your closet and you are making decisions between all of these different choices, you are already depleting your reserve of what I call our most precious resources, which are, of course, you know, money and time, but also energy, focus, and attention. And that is already happening first thing in the morning. So when you get to the end of the day, and like I'm speaking now at night when my kids have gone to bed, if my husband wanted to have a conversation about our taxes now, I would be like, yeah, no, bye. Like, no, because I'm just done, right? I'm done because of the decision fatigue. And so it's so important when we think about what are the decisions that are actually necessary and what decisions can we actually declutter from our lives by not having as many choices, not only for us, but also our kids too. And I have some examples of that um, if you want me to provide them. Yeah, I think going into some examples would be great, but I can certainly, I've never thought to put a word or I never really guess realized that decision fatigue was a thing. And I can see that in mothers, it is so real because we do, we start the day by going, okay, what am I going to wear? And like, I love clothes and um, but so that, that for me is usually a happy, happy time. Uh, but I have gone through getting rid of 50 pairs of pants because I do not need 50 pairs of pants. Um, especially ones like that you keep 
because one day they'll fit you. But that's another that's another story. But it's my husband gets home. He works by him, so he's a builder. So he's out there working on his own. He gets home. We have dinner, put the kids to bed, and then he's like, "Let's have a conversation." No, let's not. I'm done. I cannot. If your conversation requires me to use brain cells, no. And why mums get so blasted by dinner time if they're not preparing and planning their weeks or their days that that's why when you are it gets to 5 p.m and you then go what are we going to have for dinner why you are at the tipping point of overwhelm because we've gone through these all these decisions and have decision fatigue so I love that so yeah if you can give us some examples that would be incredible of of how to reduce that yeah so of course clothing is a huge one and um, not only for us but for our kids so I think we have kids that are in similar um, ages but my son who is in first grade my oldest when he uh, we changed over the clothes from in our um, neck of the woods (laughs) uh, from summer to fall and uh, we had gotten him some clothes because he's the oldest, so he didn't really have any uh, for that size. And he came, he dresses himself. He came into the bedroom in tears. Mommy, mommy, there's too many choices. He couldn't figure out like what to wear wow. because of all the clothes. And we didn't have a lot. But what I realized was not only for me, do I like just having what is in my closet is what fits me now. It fits my current body, my current lifestyle, the current season, all of that. Nothing else is in there except for what is fitting me. Not though what you're talking about, the aspirational clutter, which used to fit me in a different season, or maybe I'll wear that someday. It's what I love and what I wear now. So that makes it really easy for me, but it can still be fun, right? But for kids also, you know, just reducing the number of choices makes it easier for them to get ready in the morning because, um, or even pajamas, honestly, like not having like 50 pairs of Christmas pajamas or whatever. Um, so clothing is one food is another one. So not only for us, just kind of streamlining, like maybe we're going to have the same smoothie, you know, three days a week, or just being able to be okay with repetition and meal planning, I listen to uh, the Lazy Genius podcast with Kendra Adachi. I really love it. And she talks about this concept of brainless crowd pleasers, which are the meals that everyone loves. You don't have to think much about, you know how to make it, but it doesn't have to be anything like super special or fancy. It's just, okay, when I'm doing a meal plan for a week or a month or whatever you want to do, I already know the five to 10 meals that people are definitely going to eat. So let's start with those. Let's make our life easy. I actually have a menu for breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks for my kids that I put in a dry erase sleeve. The reason is that I would make them dinner that they said they wanted, mac and cheese, whatever. And they come up and they're like, mommy, ew, I don't want this. I'm like, uh, you asked for this. And I was getting so annoyed with the, you know, amnesia after 20 minutes of making something. I thought, okay, we're going to use this dry erase thing instead of saying, what do you want for lunch? And your kid's like, uh, and they can't think between all of the choices. You're giving them their favorites. It's helping them to learn how to read depending on their age. And that has worked super well for me 
when it comes to that time, again, the dinner time, when you don't want to deal with the, oh, I didn't want that. And meanwhile, you're trying to make sure you can get something healthy on the table for yourself, you know, and your husband and whatever. Um, so that has been another huge thing. And I think the last one would be, uh, especially for kids, toys and activities, which I know we can talk a little bit um, in regards to, you know, Christmas and such, but if you don't want the dump and go, let's limit the amount of toys that they at least have in their visual field. I'm never going to tell anyone to get rid of anything, but I am going to say that kids play much better with fewer things. And to attest to this, we have one like bin of Legos for the last week and a half. That has been what my kids have played with 95% of the time on our main floor. And I'm like, okay, I liked things tidy. This is like my thing, right? I'm not having them put them away. That is the Lego area of the house for right now because they're playing with it. They love it. And it's one type of toy, but it's open-ended so they can do so many things with it. So really limiting the number of toys, even if you do like a rotation system, whatever works for you, but that has helped tremendously with the way that my kids play. So those would be some examples. Yes. Also feel you on the, that's just the Lego spot of the house, because that is, that is currently my situation. If you could see over my laptop down to my living room floor, there's Legos, which is great until I step on them. But um, let's, let's go into toys more because it is Christmas time. And I was talking to you earlier about I was let's talk about Christmas because I'm literally walking around my house preparing for the onslaught of gifts and even though I I personally am quite intentional like my parents this year for our kids are um, going in with us to get them new beds because one of them's moving out of a cot um, and the other beds are just old. And then my in-laws are getting them um, annual passes to the zoo at our, our local zoo. So even though I try my best not to have this onslaught of toys, every year there is. And that that's okay. So what are your tips for the lead up to Christmas and toys? And then also dealing with Christmas Day when you get all the toys. Well, I feel you. And I'm glad that you have relatives that are open to other things. Um, that sometimes doesn't happen. It's funny because my family knows my very strong feelings. <laughs> and the running joke is in my family, if it's not bolted down, it might go away. Um, <laughs> I so I don't really threaten my kids, but anytime they say that they're bored, I'll say, oh, well, maybe I just need to get rid of all the toys you don't play with. And then suddenly they're not bored anymore. It works wonders. But anyway, so a couple tips on preparing for the onslaught, like you said, which it totally is. The first thing is to really set expectations with what other whatever family members will be giving them gifts, uh, set those expectations early. So I actually do create a list and my kids being four and six, I actually make the list with them. So we'll look together. Okay, what do we have? Where is something new going to go? That is a huge thing. If your kids are old enough, they can tell you. Okay, so you want this Hot Wheels this and this Lego this and this and this and this. 
we have, I'm in my basement right now. This is our only play area with the exception of the Lego floor, right? Um, but besides that, all the toys are down here. They're not in my kids' rooms. They're not elsewhere. So we also use this as my office and where we watch shows and movies. And, you know, it's a multi-purpose space. So this is not going to just be a toy room. If you want something new, where does it go? Show me, show me. I can tell you the dimensions and we can get out the tape measure and we can figure it out. But if it's not going to fit where it is right now, what is going to go, you know? Um, so setting that expectation early, not only with your kids, but also with the family members, um, trying to give them a list, suggesting the experience gifts, um, in the US, we have something called the 529 plan, which is like college plans for kids. And so I actually have relatives that will take whatever they wanted to spend on my children and they'll put a part of that into the 529 plan. Um, but then again, of course, we have family members that want them to be opening the gift. They want to see that. And it's not really my place to take that joy away from any family member. So what ends up happening is that either um, my husband and I get them very few gifts, if any, there might be like one thing that says mom and dad, um, because they don't really care at this age who they're getting the toys from. I don't know if they ever will really. Um, <laughs> so I don't feel like I need to add to it. Um, and so that helps a little bit. And I think just talking with kids about... Um, okay, I've noticed you haven't played with this for a long time, observing how your kids play. Just today I was, they were playing and I was like, you know, you guys haven't played with these puzzles for a while. Do you think that we could donate them? Now I have modeled donating and I have talked to my kids about donating for a long time. So this is nothing new to them. I've been able to donate things to their preschool or to the church or places where they're actually going to maybe see it. That helps too going to the donation center as a family, there's different ways that you can kind of introduce this concept to the kids so that before, when you know everything's coming in and you've decided what is going to go out, then they can be a part of the conversation too. And just being able to model that, um, you know, however you want. If your family talks about generosity, it's modeling those values. If it is um, just we're going to figure out what you don't play with anymore. And this is what we do with the things we don't play with anymore. There's a lot of different ways that you can go about it. But I think that those are some ways to kind of start the conversation early and then hopefully be able to not have so much stuff. Um, the last thing, I know I have a lot of tips here. <laughs> the last thing is anything that comes into your home you are the CEO of your home. And I'm sure that you tell your listeners something similar. Uh, we are in charge of our homes. And so anything that comes into the home, as soon as it comes across the threshold of my door, I am responsible for what stays and what goes, even if we just got it, like whatever the case may be. So a gift that's given out of generosity and love doesn't have to be kept out of guilt. So mm -hmm. just make sure that you recognize that that if you ended up getting a lot more than you thought, and then there's things that you know your kids aren't gonna play with, this is your permission slip. Just, it's okay. You can get rid of it, you know, however you see fit. Cause you're the CEO of your home and you're the one that's in charge of the management and all the time, energy, focus, attention, all of that. So you get to decide what stays and what goes. 
and the one who is probably going to clean it too. <laughs> I oh love yeah, that. lots of lots of cleaning. Yeah, yeah, I love that, and I love what you said about there are some family members like our. We have quite a few family members in um, extended families who love like their love language is gifts, so they just love birthdays and Christmas and. So as you say, it's not about robbing the joy for them because if someone, if that's how someone shows my children that they love them, by all means, I'm happy to do that. And so we do a similar thing where we have a list uh, for the kids that I send around to like uncles and aunties that are going to buy gifts uh, that I know will buy gifts for the children um, and do things like, you know, my kids love playing with um, things like Legos um magnet the magnet tile guessing you have them too so like get a a build on magnet tile box so something that we already have that already has a home that I know my kids love um that I know will get used something like that I find is a um good way to help those those people guide them gently guide Yes, gently guide. Definitely. I, we do the same thing and it's the open-ended toys, the things that don't just, you press a button, it makes a noise and it's done. The open-ended is just so helpful because it helps with creativity. And then you can have less toys because you're still fostering all of that creative play. Yeah. I love that so much. Well, Emily, thank you so much. I know we could, we could talk for hours on this, um, but I want to wrap it up there because I think that there's been some really good takeaways um, you know, from what's what's the word? Describing overwhelm and and decoding what overwhelm is, um, to then how how mums can actually implement that in their home. So thank you so much. Do you have any last bits of advice or encouragement for mums um, when it comes to simplifying their homes? Just that um, little bits help you know, and anything that you do and starting with the most unemotional place possible, like your car or the bathroom, someplace where you're not starting with the sentimental stuff, just build up those small wins and then you can gain momentum. That really will help you with your decision-making muscles, which is going to help you when you get to the harder stuff. Yes, absolutely. I'm all for bathroom first. Quick, easy win, get it done. Um, yeah, I love that. So thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Can you just let everyone know where they can find you, where they can um, find any resources that you have, check out your podcast, all the things? Yeah, definitely. So the podcast is Moms Overcoming Overwhelm. And then my handles on Instagram and Facebook is Simple by Emmy, E-M-M-Y. And my website where you can find free resources is simplebyemmy.com slash resources. And that's where you can find me. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And it was so, it was so great to chat with you. Thank you, Elise. Well, that wraps up another episode. And I pray that you were blessed by today's conversation and really got something out of it for you to take into your motherhood this week. If you did get something out of today's episode, please subscribe, leave a review so I know that you're loving the show. You can also come and chat on Instagram. The handle is at Wholesome Mama. And don't forget, we have a Facebook community too with mums just like you who are in the trenches of mothering littles. So come and join us over there as well. The link for everything is always in the show notes. 
Have a beautiful week, Mum. Be blessed, and I will be with you next week.